If you would now, please open up with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Last week I kind of tricked y'all, I kind of didn't. We finished an old sermon series and started a new one, right? Advent kicked off with a bang as Elijah's taken up and we're waiting on Elijah to come back. Uh, Little John the Baptist. Uh, Now uh, I've been led and been praying. I think Matthew, it's, it's it's a beautiful moment. As COVID is going on, as things are so different, uh, stuff is just weird right now that, that it's actually not. We have a sense of continuity. We have a sense of stability. And we see it as we review these scripture passages that I hope and pray for those who are followers in the Lord Jesus, for those who are believing, that, that they are of um, uh, uh, have such a uh, constancy to them that you know you're going to review them and, and see them and hold fast to them at the Christmas season. Just like at Easter, we gravitate to these for a reason. First among equals as we see God working out his cosmic plan here in Matthew 1. And so as you're opening up, I have just one other Bible verse to read to you. Psalms 37 verse 4, and it, and it reads like this. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. By way of introduction, uh, this Bible verse, it's used a lot, and sometimes it's used very inappropriately for things that we just kind of want, right? The desires of our heart uh, for stuff, right? It's Christmas time. It's the time of stuff for the world, right? Uh, Consumerism rages across the planet because it's Christmas time. It has been taken and warped and the good and precious truth of gift giving, which we see uh, as God has sent the gift of son Jesus, as those three magi, those wise men revealed that, uh, that gift giving to the little king Jesus. Well, well, now though, in this world, as we look at that, there's little delight in the Lord and there's much sinful desire in our heart, right? And that has caused stuff to take precedence over the Lord Jesus. That Bible verse has been warped. The season, in a lot of ways, has been warped. This Christmas, what are your desires? Where is your delight? Have you been warped by the world? That gets to our main question that these Bible verses answer this morning for us, the followers of God. What are your heart's desires? We'll see that as we read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Let me pray for the reading of God's word. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we do pray for this most important part of our worship where uh, we read this holy and inspired, inerrant and infallible word of truth, the word of you, God. And so, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit in the reading of this word would convict us of our sin would comfort us of the gospel of the Lord Jesus and would change us even as I prayed at the beginning of this service from the inside out. Lord, please do it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, 
and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Grass withers, the flowers fade. The word of God, it stands, it remains forever. Thanks be to God. Now remember that main question this morning, what are your heart's desires? I think as we look into this word, it might help us to split it into two smaller questions, two points. Number one, do you have a desire for righteousness? Number two, do you have a desire for revelation? First, do you have a desire for righteousness? And we see that in verses 18 and 19. On the path to test the desires of our own hearts, we have to do something very uncomfortable. We have to self-evaluate. Don't you love self-evaluation? Especially during the holiday season. Uh, As a joke, come on, y'all. A friend and confidant of mine, one of the wisest I know, one of the wisest people I know, critiqued the modern movements that we find ourselves in. In 2020, in the 21st century, this is encapsulating it all. This person very wisely said, if people would focus on their areas of influence and be righteous, do what was right, this world would be so much better than it is now. And the biggest area of influence I can think of is my own family. Isn't that a remarkable thought? As we think about whether or not our heart's desire is to see God work in our lives, we must self-evaluate the things that we are doing individually. The church is an ingathering of God's people, and it's true that we must not neglect the body of Christ. You know, usually I will address y'all as centennial, centennial family, dearest centennial, uh, members of Centennial, because we are the body of Christ, a, a, a unified representation uh, of God's church, of the kingdom of God and how it plays out. Uh, of course, we're sinful, and, and y'all get that, and so we have application that can be church-wide and things like that. But at the same time, because the church is an ingathering of God's people, we must not neglect our own individual heart's desires. We are, after all, individuals called by God into the body of Christ. We are not saved by the belief of the church. We are saved by our own personal confession. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, causing us to be born again. Now, with that in mind, in comes Mary, the mother of Jesus, with a bit of a cultural problem. She is pregnant while being betrothed to a man named Joseph. Because of the time, culture, and beliefs that they found themselves in, this put Mary in significant danger of being killed, either quickly or slowly. The quick version would be stoning outside of town for her unfaithfulness and immorality, period. The slow version would be her new outcast standing with the people in her town. She would have a scarlet letter, if you're familiar with the reference. But Joseph, Mary's husband, he does something remarkable. 
Several things happen at once. Joseph sees his own plans unravel before his eyes. His wife is already pregnant. This would be devastating for any new family in any era, right? Uh, let's just get that straight, okay? Any new family in any era, this would be devastating. But especially for this one, where heavy weight was placed upon the bloodline through the firstborn where faithfulness and fidelity to the family was so highly emphasized that the death penalty was attached to it at times, and where financial and asset binding happened upon the consummation of the marriage. Alongside of this was general cultural standing. Of course Mary's reputation was at stake, but so was Joseph's. There's no argument that women of that era bore the weight of greater shame for their unfaithfulness. That's actually very similar to today's standards, if you just look across the landscape of America especially, but also the world. But that doesn't take away the burden of Joseph. Is he going to save face, protect himself, make sure that Mary takes all or at least the majority of the blame for this scandal, this botched marriage? Verse 19 of our text, her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. In your quest to self-evaluate your own heart's desire, do you have a desire for righteousness or is your desire for personal gain, for personal preservation, for privilege, or for pleasure? One of the many pieces of the foundation of a follower of the Lord Jesus, of a believer of God, is a desire for righteousness, for right living after the Lord as he has prescribed. To be truly born again, newly created, implies seeking after those right things that we now know to be true. Joseph was seeking after righteousness, not for his own gain, but for that of Mary, that she might be somewhat protected as much as he could offer. And remember the timeline. Remember the timeline. Because to the naked eye, to the naked eye, Joseph had no idea that the Son of God lay in Mary's womb at the time that he resolved to divorce her quietly and not put her to shame. To the naked eye, all he knew was that she had dealt unjustly, that she was immoral, and that she was unfaithful. It was in light of that that Joseph resolved to deal with her in a righteous manner. Jesus says it quite well, actually, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. And Joseph lives it out. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you have a desire for righteousness? Has God given you this? Have you been born again? Secondly, as you consider that first mini-question, also, do you have a desire for revelation? It's our following verses, the rest in our text this morning. Another way to put this for us in the 21st century is do you have a desire for God's word? Joseph was at a severe disadvantage compared to us. That is, the Christian church uh, anytime after the 1st century, but in the 21st century especially. He was at a severe disadvantage. He didn't have the full intended revelation of God at his disposal in print and on our phones. He didn't have Google to look up Emmanuel Bible passages, ESV, right? 
He didn't have Google to look up God's mercy Bible passages, 2020, right? Uh, he didn't have Google to look up gospel Bible passages and so on. Y'all done that? I, I do that. I, I'm, I'm guilty of that. That's not a bad thing, right? We type in as well. Yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. I do remember those. He, he didn't have that. But he still received God's revelation nonetheless. Verses 20 and 21. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Remember, last week I preached on this Jesus, meaning literally he will save, right? So he will save the people from their sins. Notice that Joseph received this only, though. Uh, we actually get more. He didn't get verses 22 and 23. Uh, that's, that's commentary from the Apostle Matthew to help us now by the Holy Spirit. And we see there explicitly uh, that we get revealed to the reader the connectivity of God's word and prophecy revealed. Oh yeah, by the way, if you wanted to connect some Bible passages, go to Isaiah because in Isaiah, you're going to see something that's going to really help you to understand this and the events that are taking place. Uh, he didn't have the opportunity, that is, Joseph didn't have the opportunity to see the intentionality of God himself in mercy and in grace. And indeed, the fuller revelation of who Jesus is, fleshing out quite literally that statement from the angel about conception by the Holy Spirit. God is with us. God is with us, Emmanuel. It's what we confessed, by the way, in that larger catechism question. I hope you might return to that as you pray and ponder upon Matthew chapter 1 later this day. This is an example of Joseph's disadvantage. Just like 18 above, we get that commentary in verses 22 and 23. An explanation of events taking place. It's more than Joseph was receiving. In today's time, the majority of the Christians that I talk to, they want the dream over God's word. But I can guarantee you that Joseph would have preferred God's word because this word that we have is the ultimate revelation from God himself. There is no more. It is full and it is perfect for our salvation and our ethic and our lives now. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 says it well. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. For Joseph, his strong desire was not a dream, was not riding in the clouds in the sky saying, go left or go right. Joseph's desire was revelation from God, which he received and listened to as he rolled into the cosmic plan of God himself. That's how we know he had the desire in the first place, because he was willing to listen. What is your heart's desire, dear ones? I mentioned earlier that most people want the dream, right? Uh, most people want the dream instead of the world, instead of the word. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, if it's happened once, it's happened to me at least a hundred times. Uh, somebody's sitting in my office, and they say, if only God would 
write with his finger in the sky what I am to do next, I'd do it. I'd do it right now. If there was writing on the wall, I'd do it. You just tell me where, God, and I'll go. If he would just tell me explicitly like a whisper in the ear, I'll do it. Almost everybody, to a T, would say that. We, we desire this moment where we get this personal interaction of Jeremiah Thomas, you know, preach on Matthew chapter 1, this coming Sunday, it will be very beneficial for the people of God. Okay, you know, okay, Lord, this is where I go. But what if you got the dream? What if you got the handwriting on the wall? Really, what if you got it? And what if it was the thing that you didn't want to do in the first place? What if it was that God was revealing to you an ethic that was not of your own creation, but of his own creation? What if it was that God was seeking to tell you that you were going right and you needed to go left? Would you do it? Or would you ignore that too as you ignore God's word? Because God's word is fuller than that. We have it all. And it is so easy for us to lay it aside and to go our own way. Christmas time or not, how easy is it? I'm not talking to you only. I feel it in my very soul. <laughs> and only if God were to write it in the sky, my sin would be revealed more as I looked away and kept on going because this is what I want to do, not that. Do not lie to yourselves, dear Christians. Not at Christmas time. When God would send his own son to deal with those very sins. The sins that would turn us away from him. Even when he extends the hand of salvation to us. Oh, that's the gospel. It's no dream. It's an action of God himself that has been fully recorded from beginning to end. It is a revelation of salvation. It is a movement of God to us. And as he works in us and in our heart, the Bible tells us changing it from a stony heart to a beating heart, one that is alive as he causes us to be born again, to look with fresh eyes and to see and to believe as he makes in us a new creation, something that we weren't, something that we are now, as he reveals to us that he would love us so much as to send his own son to take the punishment that we deserve. And it all starts here at Christmas when this little baby is born, but it turns out this little baby is God Almighty. Jesus, he will save. Emmanuel, God is with us. The gospel coming to fruit. Praise be to God. Before we close, for application's sake, let me just give you short prayers per verse. Verse 18, the birth of Jesus took place, right? God, now help me to remember that I've been born again. And if I have not been born again, God, would you work a work in me? Verse 19, Joseph had a righteous unwillingness to put another to shame, uh, 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 to, to not put another to shame, a desire for justice. Lord, give me such things. Give me a desire for righteousness. Verses 20 and 21, Joseph received intense revelation from God about Jesus. God, reveal Jesus to me over and over and over. 
please. Verses 22 and 23. Because of this word, we have received more than Joseph. God, thank you for your revelation. Thank you for your truth. And thank you for this revelation and truth colliding into the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verses 24 and 25. Joseph saw God's cosmic plan and rolled his own plans into it. God, give us the faith to roll our lives into the cosmic plan, which is still playing out now in the 21st century. Dear ones, where are your heart's desires? Of all seasons, Christmas is the time to think on these things. Let this Christmas be the season when you roll your life into God's cosmic plan. Let it be the season where you stop beating your head against the wall and wondering why you have a headache. Let it be the season where you stop looking to all of these different things that are numbing you and you're wondering why you have no contentment, no peace, no joy. Why are those things breaking, getting dust on them, rusting and going away? Look to that place where there is an imperishable inheritance, one that does not go away, the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Salvation, Jesus himself, he's calling for you, he came for you, and he intercedes for you even as we close in prayer right now. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. As we lift up our voices in praise to you, God, we pray that we can praise with a true and right heart, knowing exactly what you've done for us, sending your son Jesus. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for all the good things that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen.